You're listening to audio from Shandon Baptist Church. If you'd like to check out more resources from us, please visit our website at shandon.org. I want to thank Catherine for sharing her story. We are stepping into a, a new series today that is called This Is My Story. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be featuring some stories of individuals and families here in Shandon, just telling of how God has met them in this season and has, has clearly been at work in their lives and in their circumstances as we walk through such a, a strange and challenging time collectively. We want to be reminded of God at work individually in the lives of people in our community. And so we're, we're going to be walking through Luke chapter 5 throughout this series. And, and hearing these stories of individuals in the life of our church. And my hope and my prayer is that, that you will be comforted recognizing that there is power in story that reminds us we're not alone. And there is power in story that points us to hope in what God alone can do. And there, there is great strength in story as we share of God's grace and majesty and mercy in our lives. So today, let's turn in the Word of God to Luke chapter 5. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that now. If you're joining us online, we, we, we hope you'll be able to pull up a Bible. But if not, it'll be on the screen in front of you. And we're going to look at, at this great chapter of Scripture, several stories at a time over the next few weeks. And as we begin here this morning, we see this, this great interaction with Jesus and some of his first disciples. So look at Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read through verse 6. And I'd like to invite you, if you're willing and able here in the room, to stand with me. If you're joining us online, we invite you to stand as well, wherever you may be. And you may be new to Shandon. You may be wondering, why, why are we standing right now? We've already stood to sing. Well, the reason we're standing right now is so we can be reminded as we turn our attention to God's Word. We are standing on the firm foundation of what God says is right and good and true. As a people of God, when we gather in the name of Jesus and look to the word of God, we are coming underneath the authority of Scripture. And so we stand in reverence to the word of God. And this is what it says, Luke 5, begin verse 1. Speaking of Jesus, it says on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but their fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets we're breaking. As we step into this great passage of scripture this morning, would you join me in a word of prayer, inviting the spirit of God to meet us in this moment and to speak into our lives exactly what he wants us to hear today. Let's pray together. Father God, as we stand before you now, 
And as we turn our attention to your word, we are certainly in the midst of a circumstance in our culture where there is so much noise fighting for our attention. So many voices seeking to speak to us and tell us what to do and how to live. Lord, in the midst of all this noise, we need to hear from you. And so I pray, Lord God, in this moment, this sacred moment, as we turn our attention to your word, that you would truly have your way among us, that you would speak into our story, that you would show us what we need to see, that you would tell us what we need to hear. I pray, Lord God, that we would not be the same as a result of that which you say. So we commit this time to you. We ask you to use it greatly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So I want to ask you a question to get started here. We're looking at a great fishing story in Luke chapter 5. So are there any fishermen or fisherwomen in the room today? Can you just show me your hand? Any, any fishermen? Anybody love to fish? I'm not talking about like it's your job. I'm talking about like you love to fish. All right, I see you. I see those hands. All right, well, well in my household, we love to fish. I, I grew up fishing. I, I'm the oldest of, of three boys and grew up fishing with my brothers and, and, and now continue to love to fish fish every opportunity uh, that I get. And I, I've really had some very cool fishing experiences, fly fishing in the mountains, fly fishing in Montana. I've been deep sea fishing quite a few times and just seen some really neat things happen uh, while fishing. But I can tell you this, of all the great experiences I've had on the water fishing, by far my favorite fishing experiences are with my boys. My boys love to fish. In fact, I've got a picture I want to put up here on the screen of, uh, of Brody and Everett this summer as we're fishing off uh, the shore at the beach. They caught several sharks. We had a great time fishing. I do want you to know, though, just to set the record state, there's, straight, there's a friendly competition in our family, a little fishing rivalry, and Everett got the upper hand this summer. Sorry, Brody, to have to show that, but Everett did catch the biggest fish. The competition, though, continues. We really love to fish, and we have fun every time we fish. And as we step into Luke 5, we are stepping into a great fishing story. Jesus spent a lot of time around fishermen. And in some of his well, most well-known teaching, Jesus uses fishing as an illustration to, to, to drive home an even deeper point. He would often point to fishing to explain what he was attempting to communicate with those who are listening. I do want you to know, especially to the fellas, just as a little side note, if you're ever looking for a good reason or a good excuse to go fishing and maybe those uh, in your family don't understand why you wanna fish so much, but you're really trying to come up with a great reason to go, just look at whoever it is that doesn't understand and say, look, I'm just trying to be more like Jesus. I need to go fishing. Probably won't go real well and you'll end up in the pastor's office for counseling, but it at least is a reason that you could throw out there for why you need to fish. Let's step back into this fishing story of Luke chapter five. It says again in verse one, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also called the Sea of Galilee. You may have heard that term. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. 
So getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Before we get into the the fishing portion of this story, I just want to draw your attention from these first few verses to something that happens over and over again in the life and ministry of Jesus. When Jesus began to teach, the crowd was always gathering. People wanted to hear Jesus teach the word of God. And the reason why people were wanting so passionately to hear Jesus teach the word of God is because Jesus was teaching the word of God in a way that clearly demonstrated the word of God speaks to the longings of the heart. The word of God, please don't miss this. The word of God speaks to the longings of your heart and mine. The word of God speaks to the longings of your heart and mine. The word of God tells us what we need to hear. It meets us right where we are and it reveals to us what we need to see. There's a great example of this in the word of God as the psalmist is talking about the word of God. I want to turn your attention to Psalm 119 beginning in verse 103. This is here on the screen. The psalmist writes, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. For your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love how descriptive the psalmist is in these verses. Your word is sweeter than honey on my lips. It, it tastes good. It, it meets me right where I am and tells me what I need. It reveals to me good news that I am so longing to hear. But the psalmist also writes, the word of God leads us to the wisdom of God. It it teaches us wisdom and instruction and knowledge and understanding. It reveals the truth of what we need to hear to navigate this journey of our faith. The word of God is a lamp to our feet. The word of God is a light to our path. It, It shows us where to go. It shows us how to live. The word of God meets us. And invites us to see what God desires for us to see. People wanted to hear Jesus teach the word of God because Jesus showed very clearly it is the word of God that meets us in the midst of the deepest longings of our heart. I don't know what your story is right now, where you're coming from or what you're navigating, but I do know this, wherever you are, the word of God speaks to the longings of your heart. And then the fishing story gets really exciting after Jesus teaches. Look back at Luke 5 and let's look at verses 4 through 7 of the scripture we're considering today. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who is also called Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, 
They enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Verse seven, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. This is an incredible story of fishing. And I absolutely love this scene, not only because it is a great fishing story, but I love this scene because it reveals to us how so many times we hear what God might say, or we hear what God might be prompting us to do. And our immediate response is, hold on now. I'm not sure you really know what you're talking about. Isn't it great to see how honest the scripture is with Peter who becomes the the lead disciple of Jesus? Peter here in this scene is so reluctant to do what Jesus is asking him to do. I mean, think about what the scripture tells us. He's been fishing all night long, not just because it's a hobby or because it's fun, not just because it's relaxing. No, fishing is his occupation. It's his very livelihood. And the type of fishing that he would be doing was incredibly difficult. This is not somebody sitting in a lawn chair just throwing out a a little bait cast. No, this is somebody that is working hard with heavy nets, dragging the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, trying to make a catch. And on this particular day, they've been totally empty-handed. And so here is Peter, exhausted, worn out, trying to forget about the fact that last night caught nothing at all. And as a result, there's no income coming in for all the hard work from yesterday's effort. And Jesus says, Peter, it's time to go back out and fish. And it's almost as if you can see through the scripture here that Peter is looking at Jesus saying, Jesus, bro, why don't you just stay in your lane? Why don't you just stick to teaching? Let me handle the fishing. This is what I do. You don't know what you're talking about. No fisherman goes out in the heat of the day hoping to make a big catch. No, no, no. We fish at night for a reason. And we've been working hard. And now we're exhausted. And it's this whole ordeal to get back out on the water. And we've got our nets over here getting washed. And if I go back in the water, I'm going to have to go through the whole process again, cleaning the nets, drying the nets, getting ready for another night. How can you ask me to do this right now? can see the frustration in Peter at the question of Jesus. And what we see here in Peter is what we often see if we're honest in our own life. Peter thinks he knows better than Jesus. Now, those of you who are parents, you know exactly what this scene is communicating, okay? How many times have you asked your kids to do something and they look at you like you have three heads? And they think you are absolutely crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Who are you to ask me to clean my room? Don't you know what is going on in my world? Who are you to ask me to do this or that? You just, mom and dad, you don't get it. You don't understand. Maybe it's just my house. (laughs) I thought maybe some might go there with me, but I guess I'm just talking to myself. That's no big deal. But that's what happens in our house from time to time. They look and go, you just don't know. You don't get it. That's what we see here. Peter's going, I just don't think you understand what you're really asking Jesus. 
I would say one of the biggest barriers so many times for people in their faith is this reality that we think we know better than God. I mean, how many times has this happened in your journey where you think you know better than God? We may not be so bold as to say it, but our actions, our response, our thoughts, they demonstrate that many times we think we know better than God. And when we think we know better than God, we start to question the validity of the obedience and the faith that he has called us to. But in the midst of Peter's wrestling and his turmoil internally, he gives us a beautiful example of how to respond. Even though Peter's exhausted, even though he's frustrated at the question that Jesus is asking, even though he thinks Jesus doesn't know what is best about fishing, because Jesus asked and because Jesus says, Peter, why don't you go back out and fish again? Peter lays out this beautiful statement. Look at what the scripture says again, Luke 5. We'll put this up there. But at your word... I will let down my nets. Right now, I don't understand why you're calling me to this step of faith. Right now, I don't understand why your word says what it says about obedience in this area. Right now, I just don't see it. I just don't get it. But at your word, I will let down my nets. Even though his obedience is reluctant, Peter is committed to this belief that the authority of Jesus is greater than his own. Peter is committed to this belief that what Jesus says is more important than how Peter feels in that moment. And so he listens to what Jesus has asked him to do. And as the scripture reveals, the water explodes with fish, a catch unlike anything they had ever seen before. Let me ask you a very specific question today. Some of you, I believe, are here this morning just to wrestle with this question. Some of you are joining us online just to wrestle with this question. The question is simply this. Is there an area of your life right now where you have been withholding obedience to God because you think you know better than God? Is there an area of your life right now where you have been withholding obedience to God because you think you know better than God? Maybe you're in a dating relationship. College students, maybe this is speaking to you. And you know some of what the Bible says about purity. And you know that the, the scripture says that, that God blesses those who, who walk in purity. But in your mind and even in your heart, you are saying, God just doesn't understand me. No, 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 God doesn't understand our culture. No, no, that's old-fashioned, what God said about purity. It's a new day and, and you don't understand how much I care for this person. And you understand how, how I think I'm falling in love. And so, so I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do, what I think is best. Because in this area, in this topic, I really do feel like I know better than God. 
And all you are missing out on is God's best for you. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. This is not easy to talk about right now. The world is uncertain. Things are tight for many, many people. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And and you may be aware that the Bible teaches the importance of generosity and faithful, obedient giving. And how God blesses those who are, are faithful and obedient in their giving. But you're saying, no, 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 right now the situation's different. I don't think that applies to a global pandemic. I don't think that applies to my story. God does not understand how tight things are right now. So I'm going to wait and I'm going to, I'm going to be obedient, be obedient later. When I've, when I've got more margin, uh, really that's speaking probably to those who are very wealthy and yes, they need to give and be generous, but I just can't do that right now. I know better than God. And all you're missing out on is God's best for you. Please hear me. This is always challenging to navigate, but the calls to obedience in Scripture and the calls to live by faith in Scripture are not because God is holding out on us. No, they are because God knows what is best for us. Peter thinks that Jesus doesn't know anything about fishing. But what Peter doesn't realize in the moment is that he's talking to the one who has authority over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And he sees Jesus do something amazing as he trusts him at his word. We go back to this incredible catch in Luke chapter 5 verse 8 and we see the way Peter responds to the hall that Jesus provides of fish. Look at the scripture. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter is overwhelmed at what he sees in the power of God on display through the authority of Jesus. And as he trusts Jesus at his word, Peter begins to recognize his true need for the Savior as Peter is coming face to face with his sin in the face of Jesus. And when he sees the authority of Jesus on display, Peter sees the reality of who Peter really is in the sight of a holy God. And Peter begins to feel so unworthy. But please don't miss this. Here's the best part of the story. Jesus, in this moment, is starting to open Peter's eyes to the beauty of the gospel. And as Peter feels unworthy, Jesus begins to show him, no, Peter, you may feel unworthy right now in and of yourself, but I will be the one who calls you worthy. Trust me. I love this description of the gospel from pastor and author Timothy Keller. Look at what he says. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared 
hope. You see, the gospel reveals who we are in the sight of God. The gospel shows us our need for the Savior. And as we see our need and as we start to potentially feel unworthy in our sin, Jesus meets us in our story. He meets us in our need and he shows us that he will call us worthy, not based on what we do or what we've done, but based upon who he is and what he has done for us. As Peter feels unclean, Jesus is showing Peter that he will be the one to make Peter clean. This is the amazing grace of the gospel. Please hear this. Over and over again, we see in stories and encounters with Jesus in the scripture, the closer one gets to Jesus, the more that one is aware of their need for the Savior. And the more someone becomes aware of their need for the Savior, the more clearly they get to see what the Savior has done for them. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus is showing Peter and Jesus is showing us when you see your need for the Savior, you will begin to see the beauty of what the Savior has done for you. And when you see what the Savior has done for you, you recognize that he is inviting you into a new story, that he will use your story for his glory, that your story will be so much better because of what Christ has done. Look at Luke chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. As we wrap up this story for this morning, the scripture says, For he and all who were with him, this is Peter and all his buddies, were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. These are some of the first disciples that Jesus calls. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed him. Peter has this amazing experience seeing the authority of Jesus coming face to face then with his own sin in the presence of Jesus and then recognizing that Jesus is making him worthy, calling him clean and inviting him into a new story altogether. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I know you're a fisherman. But I'm going to give you a new story, a better story about fishing. Peter, I've got a story for you that is a story that needs to be told. It is a story that people need to hear. If you follow me, I will use your story for my glory. And when you see that your story is being used for God's glory, you will see how much greater the story of God truly is as you recognize that he has invited you into the greatest story of all. This is his story, and he's inviting you into it. Through the love and grace of Jesus, you are offered a new story.
Jesus is saying to us here, all that you've walked through, all that you're experiencing now, your, your joys, your celebrations, yes, even your uncertainty, your struggles, and your suffering, all of that, if you trust me, Jesus says, all of that, all of your story will be redeemed. All of your story will be renewed. You will be given a brand new story, a redemptive story. The power of the gospel to change a life and to be used for the glory of God. These are the stories that our world is longing to hear. And so I would say to us all this morning, to the church, to those who are followers of Jesus, and, and to those who are joining us that are, that are still trying to navigate where you are in the faith, please hear this. this. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. This is what Jesus says to those who are followers of Christ. He says, let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Tell your story, for someone needs to hear it. Tell your story of what God has done in your life because someone in your friend group, in your circle of influence, in your neighborhood, on your street, in your dorm, in your apartment, someone needs to hear a story of hope because the world is not telling stories of hope. And when you look to the world, there is no hope. And when you look to this fall, there is no hope. And when you look to an election cycle, there is no hope. But when you look to Jesus, there is hope today and hope forevermore. Someone needs to hear this. Am I preaching? Come on. So church, let's go fishing. Tell your story. Tell what God has done. No one can argue with your story. Tell the good news of who Jesus is. Tell the good news of how Jesus met you in your story and changed the narrative altogether. Perhaps this week, you look at your influence, your platform, whatever it may be, totally different. Maybe you look at social media totally different for the next week and you only use it to tell the story of what God has done. Maybe you look at the contacts in your cell phone different this week and you only view the contacts in your cell phone as an opportunity to tell the story of what God has done. Maybe there's someone that you've been spending time with for quite some time. And you know this week, God is prompting you to tell the story of what he has done. Your story in Jesus Christ is for his glory. And it's the story that someone needs to hear of the hope that comes through Christ alone. So let's go fishing. And let's trust God with the story that he is writing for us in the midst of the greatest story ever told of his love and grace made available to the world through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me pray for us as we close up our time here this morning. Father God, it is such a privilege, such a joy.
to be reminded of your power and authority to step into a story and change the narrative altogether. Lord, I know there are many who are joining us today, many listening to this message right now who have been walking through such a struggle. The the, the world is overwhelming. The the context that we find ourselves in right now is so discouraging and, and many times just so heavy. And our stories right now appear to be very difficult. Many appear to be very unclear and foggy. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in our story and remind us of the beautiful gift of the good news of Jesus Christ that changes stories altogether. Lord, I pray that we would fix our eyes on you and see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I pray for the people of God specifically right now that you would use our story for your glory. And Lord, I also recognize as we close this prayer and close this service today, that there are some among us, some some friends, some family members joining us right now, listening to this message, that have never experienced the gift of a new story through Jesus Christ. They've been doing their best. They've been trying to make sense of their story. They've been trying to do what what they believe is best. And yet, they've been longing for something more. Lord, I pray that you would give them eyes to see the beautiful gift of what Jesus Christ has done. That Jesus Christ is meeting them in their story to offer them the gift of forgiveness of sin that comes through his death at the cross and the gift of new life that comes through the power of his resurrection. I pray that there are some today recognizing their need for the Savior who step out in faith to say, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. Jesus, I need you to save me from my sin and save me from myself. I'm ready for a new story. Jesus, I trust you. At your word, I will let down my nets. Lord, we praise you for the gift of salvation. And we pray that you would continue to tell beautiful stories of redemption and renewal through the good news of Jesus Christ on display in us. Oh, how we thank you for who you are and what you have done. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.